The Leap Foundation proudly presents the Meet the Mentor podcast with New York Times bestselling author, motivational speaker, and celebrity dentist, Dr. Bill Dorfman. Hey, Dr. Bill here. So this will be the last Meet the Mentor for 2019, and the rest we're focusing on 2020. For those of you who haven't signed up for LEAP yet, we still have room, (laughs) so you can sign up. If you have students age 15 to 25, LEAP will be the last week of July. It starts on July 19th to the 25th. Uh, We have an amazing lineup of speakers that will be speaking and um, we're super excited about it. We also please put in your calendar our gala and our gala will be April 24th. It's a Wednesday evening at the Jim Henson's uh, Muppet Studio and it should be pretty amazing. And um, and our (laughs) amazing Meet the Mentor podcast is ranked number in the top 100 in seven countries worldwide. So you're gonna get famous for this. And believe it or not, we're number three in Finland. Oh, really? Like how random, right? Um, And in the US, there are 47,000 podcasts in our category and we rank in the top 100. So that's amazing. That's pretty cool for only being up as a podcast for like almost two months. So it's pretty exciting. Um, I want to wish you and your family a very happy, happy holiday, a happy new year, a healthful new year. And um, I hope I see your kids at least. Um, Without further ado, I'm going to introduce you to Amber Trueblood. Uh, Amber is an author, a blogger, and a mommy. And we're going to tell you how all of those kind of play on each other. She also hosts uh, retreats. Uh, She's the mother of four sons. I come from a family with four sons. She's an unapologetic bibliophile, um, having devoured over 250 books on behavior, management, systems, parenting, mediation, and self-development. Her expertise, experience, and compassion and humor result in a unique combination of entertainment and effectiveness with her clients. Um, She wrote a book, where is it, called Stretch Marks. Oh, right here, um, which just came out last month. And it is a self-development tool for mothers who are being stretched in every direction. And I think that's probably every mother I've ever met. (laughs) So that's an amazing attribution. Um, She uh, has four sons. They've traveled to over 60 cities in the US and Canada. Uh, She's also passionate about providing mothers simple and realistic tools to guide them toward a happier, calmer parenting life. Her unique approach includes helping clients clarify their values and priorities, then showing them how to use the knowledge to make better discipline decisions, relieve mom guilt, and reduce self-judgment and become truly enlightened as a parent. And if you want to get a hold of her um, on Instagram, it's at get stretch marks g-e-t-s-t-r-e-t-c-h-m-a-r-k-s amber welcome thank you so much um so we have a lot of things to talk about but just prior to us going live with you guys amber and i were talking about the skills you need to be a parent 
And I said, you know, it's such a pity because you're gonna get your car, you're gonna learn how to drive, you have to take a driver's test and then you get your license. That doesn't happen with parents. It's like the baby shows up and now what? So how do you think you can make an impact and help parents be better parents? Well, I think firstly, what you said is so true. And a lot of parents, for some reason, we have no guidance except for maybe from our parents. Um, but we're expected to know everything. So we feel guilty about reaching out for help or feeling lost or feeling judged. And so we assume that we should know, yet nobody is telling us, and then we feel guilty for asking for help. And so it sets us up for a situation that's not good. And unfortunately, some people don't get to the place where they ask for help until they really hit bottom. And I think that it would be wonderful to kind of demystify and say, look, Nobody's expecting you to be the perfect parent. Like kids, like any humans, want love, they want to feel safe, they want to have a sense of belonging, and they want to feel appreciated. Like that's humans. If we can manage to, to help parents understand, like that's the bottom line. Yes, we want to keep them alive and safe. We're not give love, and we want to help them feel a sense of belonging and appreciation, like you're winning if you right. can do that. But you know, you said something prior mm -hmm. to the interview and you said, these are the four things that really matter to me that I want my kids right. to exhibit. Yeah. Go ahead okay. and talk about well, that. Well, so I think, I think it's gonna differ for every family. And what I try to talk about in my book and on my retreats is, you have to, everybody's different, right? You have you have your own lifestyle, your values, your priorities, your, you know, your family structure is different. And so I would love to really help everybody find their own things that are important to them and their family. So for our family, we've decided that we, it would make me so happy to raise four sons that were independent, creative, kind, and compassionate. So that would make me the happiest parent in the world. And it also would make them really fun to be around right. for the next 60 years you that know, I'm alive. And, and I, don't, I don't know if parents ever really do that. Like, I had a really serious talk with my kids. I, I had a, a, a real, I call them life-defining moment mm -hmm. in my life the day I sold my company. Uh -huh. And soon after that, I sat down with my kids and I said, listen, I don't care what you do professionally, as long as you're happy and productive. I said, you have an advantage I didn't have. Mm -hmm. I support my parents, I support everybody. I said, I will support you the rest of your life. You don't ever have to make a, a, a penny if you're helping the world. Mm -hmm. If you're working you know, for the Peace Corps in Africa, great. If you're happy and you're productive and you're doing that, I will support you and you never have to worry about money. I never had that luxury, right. you know? But I said, if you want to sit home and sit on the couch and, and, and eat ice cream and watch soap operas, you're on your happen. own. Yeah, you're <laughs> exactly. on your own. So, you know, for me, it, it was really important to kind of, you know, tell my kids, look, you need to make a difference in the yeah. world. And, and you have the luxury of not worrying if you're making money or not because I'll help you yeah. if you're doing great things. Now, I didn't have that, right? you know? Well, and I think that that's clear. So to me, you know, there are some children that grow up in a situation where, you know, they have parents that have addiction issues or parents that are negligent or, um, you know, or they're, you know, they don't have access to clean water or food during the weekends that, you know, there are kids that go home from school and they eat nothing but, you know, chips and, you know, stuff. They don't have access to real whole foods over the weekend. So 
And same as you, I tell my kids, look, you have you have running water, you have safe, you have two parents here that are paying attention to you all the time. Um, you have educated parents, you have access to all sorts of education, to music teachers, um, to museums. Um, so what I expect you to do with that is to take that to the next level because you've been granted all these opportunities. Whereas a kid that grew up with, you know, parents that were really struggling or had drug problems or um, financial issues, if they manage to get their lives to the next level where they're financially independent, they have an apartment, they're, they have health insurance, they don't have any addictions, that's a huge win. Yeah. That's a huge step up. Whereas the children that we're talking about, they're already starting at that level. So if they manage to get an apartment and sit and play video games all day, that's that's not no, where, no, no. that's not where our expectations yeah. are. But I think if you clarify for yourself and you take the time to say, what kind of humans am I trying to raise? And not that you can, not that every kid's the same, and not that you would react with them in in you know identically clearly because you know I have four kids, you have three daughters, they're all so different. Right. But if if I say you know these are the values that we really really think are important in a household and we talk about them and we encourage them and we notice them. You know, there are all kinds of tools that you can use subliminally and just in your culture as a family. We talk about it all the time. When my kids were really little, we had these big balloon, like, um, what do you call it? Like cartoon bubbles up on the walls. And we wrote like compassion, creativity, kindness. And then the boys would draw pictures of what they thought that meant. And we'd talk about it like when they were two years old. No, that's awesome. And, you know, I think that having read over 250 books and then compiling all these great ideas and then getting them out to an audience, you're doing a great service for people because not everybody has the ability or the time mm -hmm. to, you know, really absorb that much information. Okay. So you took all that. And you said, okay, I'm gonna do two major things right now. I'm gonna start a blog and I'm gonna write a book. Yeah. Which you wanna talk about first? Well, so the book, and I think that even going back a little bit further, because my background is, you know, I have a, um, a master's in business and then I have a master's in clinical psych and then I got my MFT, which is like a license to, to treat patients. And then I kind of pulled out of that and was a stay-at-home mom for the last 10 years. And I couldn't see, I knew at some point that was going to merge back together in a way that I could help other people because that's always been my fundamental, like, oh, I wanna help people besides this little right. tribe that I'm building. But that took all my energy and focus and attention for the, the last several years. And so now I'm at a place where it was about two years ago that I began to see how that was gonna to weave together. And it came from a point where I was in the weeds myself and I looked to books to get the tools to get myself out of the weeds. And then once I was out, I looked back and I said, gosh, I really, I loved the story here. I loved the points here, but I really wish I had a book that did this and had this kind of tone and said it in this way. And it was realistic and fun and easy to read and gave real tools that I could do tomorrow without completely changing my entire lifestyle. And so basically I set out to write the book that I wish I had had. Okay, so, and you don't have to write a book on parenting or kids or whatever, but if somebody in our audience out there is really passionate about something and really, really wants to write a book, kind of take us through the yeah. steps, you know? I mean, obviously you write the book, so let's, let's say, yeah. you know, 
well, or, or, you know, you may not write the book. And like when I worked with my publisher, mm -hmm. they had a really great writer who helped me write right. my book. So it was better, but let's go through your process. Okay. So, and there's, yeah, I talked to a lot of people who say, you know, I have a book in me. I know what, you know, I want, I know why I want to write a book about this, or I have such a good story or my family has a story. So there's a lot of people I think that can resonate with, with that desire, but they don't know how and getting started sometimes feels so daunting. For me, I love learning new things. And so I dove into like, what is this publishing world? How does this work? Right. How do you get started? And fiction books are different from nonfiction or different from children's books. So specifically for nonfiction, you actually want to start with a book proposal. Typically that's what happens. And so, and it's a big feat. It took me about four months to write this book proposal. Okay. And it's about 80 pages long because you're going to do a couple sample chapter chapters. You're going to do like an about yourself. You're going to talk about the market. Basically, like, why is this book important? Why does it need to be written? Why are you the one to write it? And and honestly, going through that process, and I had a book that guided me. I found okay. one book so that, that I yeah. So that's, and also you can go online because yeah. when I wrote Billion Dollar Smile, I did the same thing, mm -hmm. you know. My goal was a little different than yours. My goal was this. Yeah. I wanted to be a New York Times bestseller so I could go on talk shows yeah. and, and do that whole circuit. But so I did the same thing. I wrote the proposal yeah. and, and then what? So I wrote the proposal and then I, I had been compiling a list of agents, literary agents, um, through, you know, maybe I'd read a good book and I'd notice in the acknowledgements that they said, oh, I have this great agent, I'm so happy. And so I would write down their name. So I had compiled by that time maybe 50 agents that were looking for books like mine in, okay. the, in that region. So just so you know, I did the same thing. I got an agent. My agent was a little bit specific. Um, she actually was in Dallas, Texas, mm -hmm. and she, basically had a corner on the market for, you know, celebrity mm -hmm. self-help books, yeah. which is where mine fell in, even though I'm not that big a celebrity, but that's where I fell in. Uh -huh. And it was Jan Miller and she's amazing. Mm -hmm. And she worked with Dr. Phil and Dr. Phil does the doctors and other, so, so I had that connection. So the next step is to find an agent. Right, right. Now, you can avoid that and self-publish mm -hmm. today. And there's a lot of people that self-publish. Really so, successfully too. Yeah, really successfully. Mm -hmm. So don't feel that if you can't get an agent, your deal is dead. It's not. Yeah, and I know a lot of people that have had successful books through publishers, even big publishers, and then decide to write their next book and self-publish. Right. So, and I hear pros and cons, you know, there's pluses and minuses to both. Um, so for, for me, I started, and you kind of have to go on the agent website and see what they're, they're accepting, like what types of books, make sure it's the type of book that, you know, that you're giving. You also don't want to elicit, you don't want to put in an email to more than one agent at the same agency. That's a no, no. <laughs> so there's all of these like little kind of tricks and rules. So I started a spreadsheet that basically said like, here's the person, here's their email address. Here's what they're accepting, and then how do they want to receive it? Because that's even specific. They'll say, I only want your, you know, I want to know your platform, and I want to know, I want one sample chapter, and I want the heading of the email to say this. It was right. that specific. Right. So I started a spreadsheet. So then every day, I would send out five. I would go on and say, okay, what does this person want? How do they want it? And really put some thought into it. 
so that I was authentic and not accidentally putting the wrong name or something like that in my email to them. And you send out like a query letter first. Most of them don't want the proposal. They want a query letter. So you write that, um, but you kind of have to do it backwards. So right. you write the proposal first and then you write the exactly. query letter and then you, you know, approach these different agents. And within the first week or so, I got two responses. And one was from an agent and one was directly from what they call an acquisitions editor at a publishing house. And so when I, I had those two conversations and I ended up going with the acquisitions editor because to me, like you said, it 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 was an extra step that I didn't that I could avoid then. If you go straight with a, a literary agent, then sometimes they'll come back to you and say, mm, think you should tweak this. I think you should add a chapter about this. I think you should, you know, and they'll, they'll say, I think this will be better. I'll sell, be able to sell it, you know, right. to a bigger agency or get you a bigger, you know, upfront, um, you know, package if, you know, if you do it this way. So I decided to go directly with this acquisitions agent at Morgan James Publishing and did it that way. And, uh, you know, and like I said, there's, there's pluses and minuses to both. I've since met a lot of successful authors and learned, oh, okay, you know, everybody fights about their cover, for instance. <laughs> I don't know if you had this experience. So anyway, I, I went that way. And as soon as we signed the contract, then, um, which I didn't hire any sort of literary attorney to cover it, like to look it over, which I wish I had, but not everybody has the funds to do that either. Right, so, right. you know, you use your best, you know, your best guess and your best, you know, opportunity, whatever opportunity you have to decide whether that's a good move for you. And then, um, I, then I went back and started really writing the rest of the book. And one thing I do want to, to put out there because a lot of people think that they're going to write a book and get rich. And it, it, I will be honest with you. I know a lot of people that have written a lot of books. None of them got rich on the book. I mean, it's really, I think it, it, it's more of an accolade. It's more of, you know, something that substantiates your profession and your aptitude and your proficiency and it's a way to share. But if you honestly think that this is going to, you know, get you like this big mansion in Beverly Hills, it ain't gonna happen. It's like an advanced degree. Right. Like you learn a lot in the process. It shows that you have, that you're perseverant and that you, you know, have learned a lot and it shows, displays what you've learned. But in and of itself, it's not gonna bring you a well, good job yeah. as well. And it's going to connect you. It enables you to help people yeah. and to share valuable information. Yes, yes. I mean, the thing about this is, A, there had never been a book written about a smile, right. number one. Number two, there was never a dentist on the New York Times bestseller list, you know. And for me to be able to get my message out, and also I want to raise money for Lee. So, you know, it gave dentists uh, an ulterior motive yeah. to also buy it. It's like, okay, I'll buy one for all, you know, my my operatories yeah. and, you know, and help support leave. So, you know, I, I went in it with a very clear plan. Mm -hmm. But I think that, you know, before you start doing it, because it's it takes about mm -hmm. a year mm -hmm. from start to finish yeah. to do the whole thing, you need to have realistic expectations. Right? Yeah, if you're doing it, if your end goal <laughs> is to help people or to to you know allow people to understand what you're learning because you want to then 
you know, have retreats or do seminars or go on talk shows to reach more people, then by all means, like go for it. But if you think that writing a book or you're going to write the next Harry Potter series and become a multimillionaire and have Disney, right. you know, create a portion of their park for you, that's right, 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 right. very unlikely to happen. Do something else right. maybe with your time. All right. We're kind of out of time, okay. but I want to talk about the blogging thing. So okay. this is new. Yes. Just give us a quick down and dirty, like how'd you start the blogging thing and what are your goals and how can we help support it? Um, I would say that that the best thing to do is be authentic to yourself and really know what you what you want to convey to people and do that in not trying to copy somebody else. Even if you like what they're saying and how they're saying it, I think the most successful people in sales or in any industry is when you're authentic because that's that's reads and that's where people connect but, but with are you. there any guidelines you should do it like once a day or twice a day or once a week or right? I mean like I think it depends well, on your audience. You well, <laughs> and I think that for me, I'm still in that process where I'm still building that connection. And so for me, once a week, because my key audience right now is busy parents and busy moms. And so to get something that's, you know, five paragraphs long in their email, email every morning is it's not realistic. Too it's yeah. too much. So it's once a week or it's in short tidbits of really, for me, it's, giving your audience what they want. So for my audience, they want things that are really going to be helpful, that are going to be realistic, that are going to be supportive and uplifting and light, but something that's going to help them right now. So what I try to do is have it be light, have it be entertaining, but have it have key takeaways. So one or two or three really simple tips that you can implement to your life to bring more peace, bring more calm, bring more patience you know, to you and your family life. I, I love that. You know what I want to do? Let's do a follow-up. Okay. Let's book her to come back in six months because we focused really on the book. You can kind of give us yeah. an update on book sales and let's focus on the blog Great. because by then you will have had six months under your belt Perfect. and you can kind of, you know, help give a little bit more light. That'd be that. great. Yeah. Yes. All right. So again, Happy New Year. Lots of love to your family, to everybody. And this is the last podcast for the year. So with Dr. Happy Bill, holidays. over and out. Bye. To learn more about the Leap Foundation, go to leapfoundation.com or find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash the Leap Foundation. On Instagram at Leap Foundation and on Twitter at Leap Los Angeles. Listen to the Meet the Mentor podcast with Dr. Bill Dorfman on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>